When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a little heads up, this episode contains conversations about sexual assault and substance abuse. Mistakes. Ow. Hi, I'm Anya Volts. And I'm Savannah Guthrie. <laughs> I'm Nika Lamazzo. <laughs> I'm Dax Shepard. And you're listening to Red Scare. <laughs> You're listening to This American Life. <laughs> You're listening to, let's say together, Best, best mistakes. mistakes. I wasn't sure if you are going to do a bit. That was like Sister for Traveling Pants and Bridget fucks up. So, hey, girl. Yes. The oh my God. Yeah, the oh my God. They were all supposed to do like, oh my God. God. But then it and gets Blake to Bridget <laughs> and Blake Lively's just like, my God. It's like, no, Carmen already said my. Get out of here. But she was the top billed one, so... Anyway, so if that's if anybody listen or if anybody listening has watched uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants as many times as we have, you know exactly what we're talking it's about. It's when Alexis Bledel walks off of the plane from Greece in her full Ann Taylor Talbot's <laughs> fit, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, you're you finally look a hot." She's wearing like a hot pants and a white kind of off the shoulder blouse and blacks. So she <laughs> she looks hot for like a mom. <laughs> she literally looks forty five years old. <laughs> and they're like, "Wow, you really slutted up with coats." dosing grease okay lena (laughs) you have a body (laughs) yeah lena caligaris has a body yeah alexis patel is a greek girl with that tiny button nose really fucking chaps (laughs) (laughs) grinds my ears (laughs) okay this is a podcast about mistakes and make no mistake alexis patel was a mistake in that movie (laughs) sister of the traveling pants there's not one mistake in that movie it's a perfect film you're right we love you amber shares we love Everyone involved, even in if the you making killed of off Tibby in the last book, you we don't talk about that. So, you malignant sociopath. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> Tibby's still alive and well in all of our hearts. Um, so this is Best Mistakes podcast. We where we talk about the best mistakes. We talk about our mistakes. We talk about your mistakes, and we talk about the mistakes of the world at large and in history. Um, today's episode is just the first episode, so. Really, we've already recorded what you're about to listen to, so we can say with confidence that it is um, vulnerable, and uh, it it's really a peek into our souls more than it is an example of how this podcast is going to just be in general. But yeah. we wanted to acquaint you with some of our sincere mistakes we've made in our lives. I like to say, and by I like to say, I mean I'm saying for the first time, <laughs> I think the vibe of this podcast is if you are... 11 years old and you're home from school sick and you're watching the best of Oprah discography Mm -hmm. set. And so you're like crying a lot because of the vulnerability. But then you put on like an Amy Schumer special. Yeah, it's fun. And you laugh. It's vulnerable. It's funny. It's um, we're haters. We're lovers. Well, we aren't lovers. I'm a bitch. I'm a <laughs> We're not like lovers in Greece. You guys wish. In Mamma Mia. <laughs> uh-huh. Honey, honey, I wish. Oh my God. I also wish. I it's okay. Get pregnant it's, have- in fucking Greece and not know the dad. <laughs> oh Cisco my God. privilege. Am I right? You're right. 
You're right. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, we we really get into it in this episode. It's pretty long. Not all of our episodes are going to be quite as long. Yeah. But we, we both just like we really get into the nitty gritty of some mistakes we've made in our um in our long long <laughs> lives in our young lives is what I was gonna say. Oh, okay. We're still that young. too. Anya's Anya's young. I'm not. Oh my god, shut. I'm up. 73. You are, but you're a young Fuck. 73. Now the Volturi is going to come after me. Yeah. <laughs> you look amazing for your Thank age. Thank you. So um, this is just like our opening intro um, bit. So we got a couple hot segments for you to just kind of loosen you up, get really? you ready to just get you ready to go. slip into something a little more comfortable. Like and- a lubed up dilator and a neo-vagina. <laughs> Let's get it going. Let's get it going. So our first segment, Mistakes, Keepsakes, and Hot Takes. Mistakes, Keepsakes, and Hot Takes. So every week we're going to be sharing with you a mistake, a keepsake, and a hot take. Do you want to kind of expand on that, Nika? Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's pretty uh, straightforward, I think. But our, you know, what is it? Let me see again. Forward, so there's no need to explain. Well, let me just read them again so I don't fuck it up <laughs> on my on our own podcast. Oh yeah. So obviously a mistake is what is your biggest mistake of the week? Our keepsakes is what is one thing that you're really happy you did this week that you're gonna like keep with you? And then what is your hot take? Which is just like an unrelated, neither a triumph nor a fuck up. An observation. An observation about the week. Of a piping hot observation of the week. Yeah. It can be really about anything. So do you want to start us off? Because I already know what your mistake was this week. What was my mistake this week? Pretending you didn't believe in astrology on that date. Oh, today. my God. You're right. OK, so I went on a date. <laughs> I went on a coffee date today. I'm not even going to bullshit and say it was socially distanced. How do you socially distance a fucking date? Loser saying that on Twitter. I don't buy it. Um, OK, we wore a mask the whole time. Mom, I didn't drink. I promise. Um, OK, so my mistake of the week, which I will hold over your head. By fuck the way. you. Fucking me too, feminist. Um, <laughs> my mistake of the week was that I went on a truly gorgeous um, coffee date today and I forgot to wear a scrunchie. That's not the mistake. I know. That was my personal mistake is that I forgot to wear the scrunchie. So my but hair your, was down. your gender trading mistake. I know. My gender trading mistake hanging in the fucking wall. Like put the wings on me. I don't care. Was that I waited a while and then halfway through the convo I asked the guy um, what when his birthday was and he said oh no. And I knew that that meant like, oh, no, like you're not one of those girls who's like super into astrology. Right. And I've learned that being a hot girl in many ways means lying. (laughs) So I cut him (laughs) off and I was like, oh, my God, by the way, I'm really not into astrology at all. I don't even know if that shit's real. I was just curious. When's your birthday? Birthdays are two days apart. Um, I'll talk about that. When he's inside of me, um, <laughs> we'll have a we'll do it at our wedding while he, while whilst he's inside. Yeah, of you. while he's You're like straddling his, the chair, while his like two a cool teacher like a backwards while his chair. two fingers are inside of my undilated <laughs> vagina. We'll talk about it while he's fingering two me like fingers. a sock puppet. Wow, um, I once got four in there, so I can handle a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I my mistake of the week is that I pretended that I wasn't into astrology because I wanted a guy to like me. Is that so bad? Yes. I just, I just found out that the boy who's also my best friend that I'm in love with is making out with one of my other best friends. I Can know. I just have a little? Yeah, of course so yeah, you can. I decided to be a normal, a chill girl for a moment, okay? And it worked because then he asked me if I wanted to hang out again this week. Do you and think I it's usually, because you were you didn't believe in astrology? I do. I think it, he he called me interesting, and either it's because I'm. <laughs> Either it's either it's because I'm trans and that was a nice way of saying you're trans or you're trans because, and I noticed or it's because I well it's on my profile or oh it's my because God, it's pouring rain all of a sudden God is mad at me um wow oh wait, no that's good it's it's ambiance yeah it's ambiance it's it is it's gorgeous um, so yeah to reiterate my mistake of the week is that I lied oh my god it's so loud and I said that I didn't care about astrology which wasn't right but I mean if it means I got laid consistently this winter during the second wave then I, just, I stand by it I just think you need to be honest with the person who you're um like you know if you're if you're pandemic fucking somebody they deserve to know that you genuinely believe in astrology i don't even know if i genuinely believe in it oh my it. god of course you do i don't know that i do nika Whatever. don't lie to my face the way that you've talked you the number of times you've been like it's because you're an aries listen to any boys listening i don't believe in astrology but to any girls listening i'm fucking obsessed <laughs> if you've been lying to me and that's just the, time. i've been lying to you about everything oh my god that's just the way the cookie crumbles babe so what's the next typical aquarius what's your um keepsake this week oh um hmm i guess my keepsake is that i went on the date and that, you're excited and i'm like excited yeah i haven't had like I mean, it's truly psychotic to say you have a crush on someone that you spend an hour with, but also not really. No, it's not. That's normal. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm like excited. I'm like literally sitting by my phone waiting for him to text me, even though he said he wouldn't until Tuesday. And I said that I hate when people text me a lot, which I do. Um, So I'm like trying to not text him and I won't. But yeah, it's exciting. I haven't had a crush on anyone that seemed to also have a crush on me in a long time. And what's your hot take this week that social media is poison and you're so much better than all of us? I mean, you said it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I um so I subtweeted someone um this week. <laughs> Rightfully, I think. Right I mean, I'll do it again when I go back on. I subtweeted someone that led to a long discussion that and I've also been manic that led me to think, you know what? Fuck this. Pack up the band and let's go. So I deactivated my Instagram and my Twitter, and I'm trying to get through it until December. Um, and so, yeah, my hot take is that social media is trash, and if people want to have hard conversations with you, just ghost <laughs> by shutting down your social media. I love that. Me too. Good for you. Thanks. I've actually been, like, legitimately proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, it's, it's been literally four days. Yeah, but it's been good for our friendship because you are – you literally are texting me instead of tweeting, and I've enjoyed it. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I've enjoyed. I know you're texting other people too. No, it's wrong. literally you and like one other person. Okay, love to hear it. So yeah. uh, I am proud of you. Is the point I'm trying to Thank make? You. I can tell that you're really putting effort into this, and I'm, I'm literally doing like the AA mantra when I was in AA for six months. God grant me the serenity <laughs> to accept the things I cannot change. Oh, I love the that. wisdom to know the difference yeah. and the. I don't fucking remember. Good for you. The courage to bibbity bobbity boo. Bibbity bobbity boo. 
Um, my mistake this week was I almost signed a lease on an apartment I knew I didn't want. Yes. Um, just the quick down low is that my roommate, uh, God bless him, fell in love and is moving in with his girlfriend. And once again, that in itself, not a problem. But um, it is the middle of a pandemic and my other roommate and I really didn't want to find a new roommate. So we were upset. Not at our roommate, because once again, move in with your girlfriend, be in love. We love that for you. But for ourselves, we were upset. We were like, we don't want to live with another person. What? Yeah. Um, so I panicked cause I knew that our other roommate has an RV that she could just move into. So I was like, well, fuck it. She's going to move into that RV. So I need to find a one bedroom and I need to find one right now. Cause I'm a big, um, instant gratification person and I mm-hmm. need a solution to all of my problems because as soon as I know. And thank you for proving your fucking <laughs> astrology Ugh, bullshit. Okay. Anyway. So I like went and saw this apartment. It wasn't right. I knew immediately it wasn't right, but it checked enough of my boxes and I could technically afford it that I was like, I'll take it. And I immediately put a deposit down on it like a crazy person. Didn't even like really think about it. (laughs) Um, And after putting the deposit down and it took like a little while for them to like approve or uh, like um, what deny my application. Uh Uh, I was like praying for denial because that means I could get my money back. Yeah. Um, But then they were like, you're approved. Congratulations. And uh, I was able to like, and this is kind of my keepsake, was that I was able to kind of catch them in a like the smallest lie that they had on the listing. They said utilities were included and some utilities were, but not all. Mm. So I was like, you said utilities included. So I get get my deposit back, right? Give me my money back right now, Mr. Man. Yes, exactly. Um, And then I went and saw another apartment um, that was a two bedroom that I liked way more. And um, my other roommate who has the RV, who I assumed was just going to move into her RV, had by then we had talked and she also was like no I don't want to move into my RV and I was like oh so am I the one fucking you over because I am about to sign a lease on a one bedroom and she was like kind of (laughs) so we decided to get a two bedroom instead and I like this place so much better and I was like um at like at this viewing I still had not officially backed out of the one bedroom yet but I was in the process of backing out of it Uh and he like excused himself to go take a call this guy the broker um, while I was looking at this new place and I was looking around, and I was like, oh, I love it. I love it so much. And he comes back from his phone call and he's like, sorry, there's drama going on with another one of our listings. And I was like, no problem. I love this place. I'll take it. And then he gives me a ride home. And on our drive home, he was like, um, I just like casually brought up. I was like, are you with this company? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, are you familiar with my case? Um, and do you know if they're going to give me my money back? And he was like, Oh, you're that person? You're literally who we were talking about. You're literally about. the drama. Yeah, you're who we were talking about with this other listing. And he was like, wait, this is perfect. We'll just transfer your deposit over to this apartment and I'll split the commission with this the other Skippity broker. Skippity bots, kid. Yeah, so it actually all worked I out. I want to come back as you in my next life. I know, I literally like, I was like, bada boom, bada bing. And um, my deposit was transferred over to the new apartment. They pre-approved me. Didn't have to wait for approval. They like no. immediately approved me and I'm signing the lease tomorrow. Yeah. So maybe next week my mistake will be um, that I waited and I didn't wait until actually signing the lease to announce it um, because I have not actually signed the lease yet. But I do. I'm confident. I'm moving in. And then my hot take is. um, hmm, 
Oh, my hot take actually is advice that my friend Baron gave me. Baron Vaughn, shout out, friend of we the pod. Love you, we love you, Baron. Um, so I was kind of having a meltdown actually the same day that you had that discussion about your subtweet. Mm. <laughs> I had a meltdown about my own bullshit because I'm also kind of messy and dramatic on Twitter. And I I don't actually think either of us are that messy on Twitter. I don't either. I'll be People honest. just can't handle truth. But like, ugh, whatever. We're truth tellers. We're truth tellers. We're storytellers. Um, Savants of the arts. But I kind of like complained to Baron about just life and how I felt like I'm constantly fucking up and how I feel like I'm like a messy bitch. And he sent me this really thoughtful or actually maybe it's I'm, I'm like looking in my phone like I'm going to find it. I think he actually just said it to me. But um, he explained the four stages of competence to me. Have you heard of this? No. OK, so he explained that this is this applies to skills. This applies to thought patterns. This applies to behaviors. There's four stages of confidence. One or confidence, competence. Um, the first stage is unconscious incompetence, which is you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. That's when you're at your messiest, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't even know that what you're doing is a problem. Mm-hmm. Second stage is conscious incompetence. And that's when you know what you don't know, but you just don't know how to know it yet. Mm -hmm. So that's when you're aware of the problem. Mm -hmm. So maybe in our case, it's being messy on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think, once again, this is just an example. I don't actually think we're that messy on Twitter, but um, it's when you're finally aware of your own bullshit. And so now you start seeing it all the time and Mm -hmm. you think it's an even bigger problem than it even is because you're like seeing it for the first time. Um, So that's usually the most painful stage is when you're like, you come to realize your own bullshit. Um, next stage is, un, or next stage is conscious competence, which is when you start to make changes, um, whether it's a new skill or a new habit or a new behavior, but you're doing it really consciously. So it's super uncomfortable and unfamiliar to you. Okay. Um, so right now maybe it would be your social media cleanse yeah. where you're like really consciously trying to not do the thing. Yeah. Um, but the final stage is unconscious competence which is now this behavior is a new habit and it's just totally natural to you Mm. Um, and we're all at a different stage of each thing with with a different thing at all times so you're like currently unconsciously competent at some things and unconsciously incompetent at other things and you're currently you just call me incompetent yeah you incompetent bitch Bitch. (laughs) um but you know like you're you're in different phases of that at all times. Yeah. Um, but I found that to be very helpful and I hope that that was helpful for anyone listening. If for whatever you're going through, listen, in the words of Oprah Winfrey, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And so our big mistake of the week, I would say is Trump has not conceded yet. Would you disagree? No, that's definitely the big mistake of the week is that Trump refuses to concede. Yeah. So that's the big mistake um, of just like generally, globally, pop culture wise. um, I would say that is we all know what's going on there. I think also the big mistake of the week is that no one has fucked me. But that's like a personal. Absolutely. That's like a them problem. For sure. That's everyone else's mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's failing me. All right. So um, get ready. Buckle in. And uh, this is episode one. Enjoy. Live from the BBC, this is Best Mistakes. (laughs) All right. Well, this is the first episode of this fine podcast. Um, So we just wanted to, like, do a little intro about um, our points of view on what failure and mistakes are, what they mean, both personally and generally, um, and 
our like intention on talking about mistakes uh, with this podcast? My idea of mistakes is uh, very cliche in a way. Um, it is built from 13 Going on 30. Okay. The 2003 film. Um, there is a scene in that movie, and I watched it when it first came out. Um, there's a scene in that movie where Jennifer Gardner realizes that everyone thinks that she's an asshole. And she asks her mother at the kitchen table if her mother regrets anything and if she could go back in time and change something, would she? And her mom says something along the lines of, no, I wouldn't because everything I've ever done wrong has led me to where I am today. Okay. So I internalized that at a really young age, um, which maybe like wasn't the best <laughs> um, in many ways, but I personally, I have fucked up so many times and I don't, there's pretty much not a single fuck up or mistake that I would go back and change. Pretty reckless to put that message into a movie that is like... <laughs> So geared towards young people who haven't really made that many mistakes yet <laughs> so that going forward, they can just be like, great. So all these mistakes are just going to kind of land me in a movie. <laughs> I'm going to be a mom in a movie, like just kind of sipping a cup of coffee and everything's going to be fine. Uh, meanwhile, some people's mistakes like really do catastrophically fuck up their lives. But you, not ever. Not that I feel like that's the minority of mistakes. I mean, yeah, the way that like we view mistakes, I think also falls into the same line of like spirituality. And it's like, you know, your faith isn't necessarily the faith that everyone has. Like right. I, I struggle a lot where I say things like everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I was going to say that's a but it's like <laughs> classic every... mantra around mistakes. <laughs> and it's like, for me, that's true. But then I think yeah. about like, that's not true for everyone. Because does that mean that like people who are in like abject poverty like that happened for a reason and they like that's where they belong and with those people you only ever like the people in those situations that say everything happens for a reason are like the like celebrities that got out of that situation (laughs) (laughs) they're like so grateful for everything that happened and now I'm a millionaire and it's like okay but there's a lot of people who don't um end up in like I don't know I mean being a millionaire isn't necessarily um means that everything worked out but Financially, but pretty much. <laughs> but pretty much. Uh, what's Ariana Grande? What does she say? Whoever said money can't solve your problems must have not had enough money to solve them. <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the whole everything happens for a reason or like fate thing uh, is like absolutely dripping in privilege often. Um, but as two people who have fucked up a lot, uh, and come from various uh, amounts of privilege and disenfranchisement. I think it's safe to say that we like personally view mistakes as things that bring you to where you are today in a good way. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and, like I definitely, I know it's my own privilege for sure. I mean, my parents bailed me out of pretty much every fuck up and mistake that I made <laughs> in my early twenties. In one way or another, but there were also plenty that no one even knew about um, right. because I am really good at hiding anything mm. that I want to hide, mm-hmm. um, which is like another conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> bailing yourself out of mistakes is like a um, kind of iconic, uh, I think it's going to come up a lot on this <laughs> podcast. 
yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, should we, like, should we tell everyone about our personal disclaimer? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In terms of we're not laughing at anyone's mistakes. <laughs> um, but there is definite humor, I think, and a lot of colorful stories that will be brought up. I'm personally laughing at all of my mistakes. Yeah. Um, except the ones that, like, may have directly impacted people I care about. Yeah. But, I'm constantly laughing at myself and my own fuck-ups. Totally. I mean, it's important to know going into this podcast that we are comedians and we also are just people who humor is our defense mechanism. So if we are, like, joking about a mistake, because um, we will be talking about mistakes from history, a lot of historical mistakes did end in people's um, death or injury or even, like much larger scale mistakes that impacted entire generations of people. We don't think that those repercussions are funny, but sometimes a failure in and of itself is objectively funny. Also, I want to talk about the word mistake, because I think often people want to distance themselves from that word. They're like, well, it wasn't a mistake because it all worked out or like, that's what got me here. Kind of like that 13 going on 30 thing. I think people think the word mistake it's just, it's a heavy word. And I, I think that by making that the central word of this podcast, um, people might, uh, there might be some pushback about like, well, that wasn't a mistake because if that didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. Or like, um, if we talk about another person's, um, fuck up and it is under the umbrella of like the umbrella term of mistake. Um, I don't know. Like if that person's still alive, if we talk about like a celebrity fuck up. Um, and and for whatever reason they hear it, if you don't personally categorize it as a mistake for your own reasons, we respect that. Um, that's just like the word we're using for just general failure, fuck ups, mess ups, accidents, etc. So just wanted to get that out there. Basically. The word mistake I've always also had trouble with because I have a lot of pride. So sometimes I like really try to distance myself from the actual word mistake with my own personal fuck ups because it's hard. It is admitting fault in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, I um, don't think that I have much pride, but maybe I do um, because I constantly am talking about my mistakes um but actually you know what maybe that is my pride I really you're like reclaiming I reclaim all of my mistakes before anyone even Mm. knows that the mistake was made which is one of my own mistakes within itself um (laughs) that could even be talked about um yeah I'm constantly doing that so maybe that is um maybe that is pride yeah Maybe. I mean, I think that we're, we're probably going to like, I can foresee that we're going to be unpacking the actual word mistake <laughs> a lot during this, because I think we're going to not during this specific episode necessarily, but just in the podcast, I think we're going to talk about some things that even in us being the one that brought it up, we don't necessarily even believe it was a mistake, but you know, just, just kind of throwing it out there that it's just a word. And if, uh, it doesn't feel like the right word for you. Um, you know, don't take don't take it on too much. <laughs> Anya, words have power. <laughs> Here's the, another thing: our um, our goal, our mission statement with this podcast is partially in um, reclaiming 
fuck ups in general because we're in a we're in a time in history right now. <laughs> we are definitely in a very historical time. Right and now. one of the one of the moments, one of the things that we're uh, experiencing in this um, climate is people's mistakes um, following them. I think longer than any other time in history, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think you know accountability is great. I think we're all learning a lot from it, but um, I also think that we might put a little bit too much weight on people's mistakes as they're like, you know, uh, ident- like identifying characteristic is their mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Say it. Say cancel culture. <laughs> Say cancel culture. I mean, I think that I am saying cancel culture. <laughs> um, we do, uh, yeah, first buzzword. <laughs> Which we're all guilty of playing into. I know oh, yeah. I do it constantly and I try not to. And maybe this podcast will be a good way of us really saying goodbye to cancel culture personally for ourselves yeah. forever because I definitely find myself feeling extremely hypocritical Ooh, as I someone. up that pitchfork and yeah. I joined the mob and I don't like it about, that's one of my mistakes. Yeah. It's one of my mistakes that I will publicly acknowledge right now is the times that I have participated in cancel culture in a way that actually didn't help anybody. I don't think that this means that we are now doing away with holding other people accountable or pointing out when something was fucked up, but, um, we're, this is our, this is us trying to move on from the aspect of cancel culture that, um, equates people with their fuck ups. Cause I don't think that that is, um, healthy or productive in any way. Or just would make no sense for us to have a podcast where our clincher is that (laughs) fucking up is actually empowering (laughs) and then canceling people for fucking up. And in many ways, this is our safety net for when we were canceled inevitably. Exactly. Um, I'm actually on my hands and knees right now begging to be canceled. Begging to be canceled. So that I get famous. And I will immediately go on the Joe Rogan podcast um, when I I get canceled. First mistake, not even knowing what it's called. Isn't, is it it the, not? isn't it the Joe Rogan experience? Oh, oops. Well, whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that it was a mistake that our first podcast we plug on this is the Joe Rogan <laughs> <laughs> podcast. I'm just putting it out there for anyone who might be like, hate listening to this because they know that we're both queer and I'm trans. You know, I just want to know that they will have me on their podcast if yeah. I ever get canceled. This is like our be challenge. like the Caitlyn Jenner. This is our challenge to you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> We've noticed you've had a lot of white guys who were canceled on your show. <laughs> How about some white, white girls, <laughs> girls <laughs> who are queer? Um, yeah, and uh, obviously, huge disclaimer that um, we are white women, which are. Uh, you know, classically the worst demographic in the world at the moment. <laughs> so there's, we're going to make a lot of mistakes on this podcast, probably. Um, and this is not me trying to preemptively let us off the hook for it, but more just an acknowledgement that this is an ongoing learning experience, like all of life is, which is a great transition into um, talking about some of our fuck ups as our little introduction to the vibe of this podcast. So Nika, do you want to take us through Kick it off. an iconic mistake to kind of acclimate our new listeners to just like exactly what we're working with? 
Absolutely, Anya. I was going to save this one for like a later episode, but then I thought, why not just jump right in and set the tone? We can always circle back too if you ever have more to say about it. And I always do. I mean, for anyone who knows me well or follows me on social media, you have seen me probably post many times in the last year about running for state representative in Providence, Rhode Island, where I'm from in 2017 when I was 22. That doesn't sound like a mistake, um, but it was. Uh, <laughs> I ran for state rep um, right around the time that AOC had won and Danica Rome, who was the first trans state legislature in West Virginia. I think it was West Virginia had won. Um, and I was feeling very inspired and decided to run. But the premise of why I decided to run was that I, at the time, was a cokehead, like a huge doing a bag of coke on like a Tuesday at like 6 p.m. in my bedroom alone cokehead. Pretty bleak. Like no gray area there. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, but because I am really good at lying when I want to, which is something I'm trying to work on, no one knew. So I had like a come to Jesus moment when I was in bed one morning at like Nose seven, full of coke. Nose full of coke, both nostrils, 7 a.m., couldn't breathe, heart racing like a hummingbird, staring at my ceiling. And I thought to myself, Nika... Something has got to change here. Um, And I'd also just gotten into a fight with my dad um, where he really wanted me to go back to school and, you know, make something of myself. So I had like a lot swirling in my mind Mm -hmm. how I was going to change myself and prove to the world that I could be someone. Um, No better time to like cook up a like (laughs) my life is changing from this point forward plan than when you're like running on zero sleep just (laughs) chock full of coke (laughs) you're like this is the turning point (laughs) i mean like fuck cocaine but lots of good ideas have come when i've been (laughs) in that like mode of operation just not this one so i had my come to jesus moment my like are you there god it's me nika moment and my best friend at the time and still one of my closest friends uh kat herwin is currently a city councilwoman in providence and she was planning on running but she was still living out of state in school and she like had been planting this idea in my head all summer that I should run for office and I was like no absolutely not like I was like a I basically was like the really hot like single tranny in Providence who like would go to like rallies a lot like Mm -hmm. and then go get blackout and it just gave me lots of like fun social clout So in Kat's mind, she thought that I should take that energy and run for office. So that night, AOC won, and I saw the results coming in while I was at work at my serving job. I texted Kat. I told her I wanted to run, um, or that I was thinking of running. And Kat being Kat, the next day I had a message from someone who works in politics in Rhode Island. His wife is the current city council president. And it just took off from there. He put me up to run against John Lombardi for state rep. Um, John Lombardi has been the state rep uh, in District 8 in Providence, which is at Federal Hill and Olneyville, um, for, I think, like eight years. Before that, he was the council member over there for 25 years. 
interim mayor. He was at my baptism. He was at my first communion. My family grew up with him. So just like lots of things at play here. Um, And I ran and was like, I'm not really going to run. Like I'm going to run, but it's like, no one's going to take me seriously, but it's going to give me that like zap of energy to get it together and get my life together. It's like, I will have like a circular firing squad of people around me holding my feet to the fire. That was my thought process. If I make myself really visible, I'll get it together and I'll stop (laughs) doing coke on a Tuesday night. Um, I love the idea of like everyone, like we all have a moment where we're like, I got to get my life together. But if that, like the plan being like, I'm going to put myself possibly in office (laughs) in order to get my life together. I feel like, um, I feel like that is, uh, we, we need to immediately put out into the world that that is not recommended. No, not not try this at home. No, I mean, it truly takes a village sometimes. Um, you can also just like, Hey, everyone listening, you can also ask for help. Yeah. Like just don't ghost your therapist, which is what I did. Um, ghosted my therapist and like, Yeah, that was it. Um, I mean, I also, like, want to add a disclaimer, which is that, like, at the same time, you know, I contain a multitude of things within my soul. And at the time, as much as this was a, like, get your life together, I also, like, had been active in, like, some political organizing in Rhode Island. So I, like, did want to run for, like, you know, cool reasons. I wanted to union, get get the first service workers union started. I wanted to get the trans panic defense taken off of the law books in Rhode Island. Um, the latter happened. The first did not. Um, so I like had like reasons, uh, like good reasons as well. Anyway. Um, so again, I thought no one would take me seriously. And then everyone started taking me seriously and it was insane. And I was just like suddenly in it. Like, I had a campaign manager. I had people working with me. And I mean, it truly is because I was just trans. I was, like, trans and had, like, a cute blonde balayage (laughs) and, like, a good wardrobe. And people love, like, a pretty tranny in the room. Um, But I just, it, like, as that, as I was, like, rising up, like, you know, in, like, the limelight, it just, my coke problem and my mental health crisis was, like, exhilarating. Um. So, and the pressure was just building. And so, mind you, I, this is the one part that I never talk about, um, because I'm like, people are totally going to judge me, but this is the podcast, so whatever. I had stopped paying my rent in my apartment because I was spending it all on cocaine um, and alcohol. So while I'm like running for state rep, my landlord is chasing me down for rent. And, like, no one knows. So I was, like, living these, like, two lives. And it was, like, insane. I mean, that's enough to drive anyone fucking crazy. Uh Um, And instead of just, like, I don't know, reaching out to my parents or, like, telling a friend, like, the first month that I stopped paying rent, I just, like, let it go. And the lie just kept building and building and building. Can I just interject real quick yeah. that this, like, I this might be the unknown story behind Donald Trump running for president. <laughs> <laughs> it was all just a giant cry for help while his, like, life was spiraling out of control. And he's like, this will hold my feet to the fire. <laughs> this will get my businesses back on track. Daddy's debt will finally be off my shoulders. Um, 
and my Coke problem I'll finally address. <laughs> and uh, just for context, we are recording this the day after it's, uh, it was announced that Donald Trump did Ugh. in fact lose. Blessed be the election. all of his infinite mercy. So maybe that's why it's on my mind. But anyway, please continue. <laughs> I just can't help but see some parallels. <laughs> there are definite parallels. Um, <laughs> and that is the only one. Um, yes. everyone, and all of please. your political views. Yeah. And I'm also conservative. Um, I'm a conservative leftist. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely a cry for help for sure. Um, and basically like fast forward to, I announced that I was running November 5th of 2017. I announced like formally that I was dropping out in like early April, but everyone like kind of knew cause I kind of like disappeared between the months of like February and March. I was working on other people's campaigns but not working on my own, which is like unheard of. Right. Um, the rent scenario came to a head when my parents were contacted by my landlord because I was insane and had blocked his number. Um, <laughs> oh <my God>. And <laughs> how much money did you owe? <sighs> so November, December, January. It's like five months of rent. I think it ended up being like three thousand. Okay. Rent in Providence is like really cheap. I was paying like four fifty a month, but I, I mean, it was still like a considerable sum of money. Um, and my parents actually found out, um, or I found out that my parents had found out as I was having like a campaign event oh at a God. dive bar. I was doing like a get out the vote, like registering first time voters event at a bar with like my campaign team. Um, and my friend Kat walked in and I just like knew from the look on her face that like the lid had been blown, but I was honestly so relieved. Um, I like, I was so relieved that my parents had found out cause I was like, I can finally get the help that I need. I can like get my shit together, but I still was like not in the frame of mind that I was going to drop out. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I, I remember my mom being on the phone with me and being like, listen, I'm so proud of you for running, but like, I'm also really disappointed in you for this fucking giant lie. And like, you're going to have to put politics on hold. And I remember like crying into the phone and being like, absolutely fucking not. I'm not dropping out of the race. Literally every man in politics has a Coke problem. I will be the first girl. (laughs) I'm not breaking that glass ceiling. Yeah. Like I can do both. Um, And I really like was committed to doing both. Um, You're like, I'm going to break this glass ceiling, but first I'm going to do a line off of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or like a couple. <laughs> Maybe my whole rent's worth. I did eventually drop out um, like pretty soon after that. Um, I flirted with the idea of going to rehab, which did not happen. Um, and I just like continued to work on these like three campaigns for the rest of the spring and summer. And then I worked on more campaigns in the fall for the midterms. Um, And I just like never really, it took me a long time to like address and process what had happened. Like most people, I don't think like most people even know why I had dropped out unless like they follow me on Twitter. (laughs) I make jokes a lot about having a Coke problem. I think that, I mean, the whole thing was a mistake, but for me, I feel like the biggest mistake aside from the just blatant lying and like getting so caught up in the lie of it all was how much I jumped in front of it by t- 
telling everyone on Twitter and social media that like, this is why I dropped out. Like I ran with a Coke problem. Cause like no one needed to know that. Mm-hmm. But I, as I said, like before I, that's like the way that I feel like I can own things. I try not to do that anymore. I just think that's like not a great way to do things, but I'm always like, I always want to be the first person to laugh at myself. What do you feel was not like, why, why do you feel that wasn't the best thing to do in that situation? Well, sometimes I feel like I still might have ambitions to run for office again one day. Um, cause like I had wanted to run for office since I was a little kid, but I just imagined I would do it as like a real adult and not as a 22 year old working like a part-time job. Yeah. Um, So I just feel like, you know, say in like 10 or 15 years down the road, if I want to run for like a seat in New York or wherever I'm living, hopefully I'm still living here. Like, you know, I, I basically shot myself in both feet. I think, you know, some people might say like, oh, that would be a cool redemption arc, et cetera. Um, And also I just, I, I think I like have allowed I've created like uh, an environment where I've allowed people to not take me seriously because I have made it seem like I don't take myself seriously when it comes to like that aspect of my life. But as I said earlier, like I don't really regret anything. So I like, I don't really regret anything about that experience. Like, of course I would like to do things differently and be more mature, but I think like I was pretty mature by dropping out because I could have like continued on with it. And I like was like, it was pretty clear that I was like either going to win or come really close Mm -hmm. because it was just, it's like a very gentrified district. It like was swept by two progressives after I dropped out. I was running as a progressive. Like I really could have been a state rep in Rhode Island right now. (laughs) And I would have been a horrible state rep and I would have had like (laughs) thousands of people at my mercy who like needed someone, you know, needed like an advocate to advocate for them in the legislature. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. Um, in that, like in that mental space that I was in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I wonder, like, I mean, you and I have very similar, mm-hmm. um, approaches to like, uh, I will go as far as to say oversharing on the internet. <laughs> Um, I don't think that is at all specific to us. I think we're kind of a product of that just being like the culture, especially the culture of like people in our demo, um, just like young people in like liberal cities, just kind of being like, this is what I had to eat today. Mm -hmm. It's just like (laughs) that. uh, And we are both, we're very similar in age. So like we kind of grew up with that as well. Um, but I think a lot of people do kind of refrain from being quite as personal as you and I tend to be. Um, and I think this podcast is kind of an iteration of that in and of itself. So I do, um, I like hesitate to like equate it because you've already talked about it. So it's not like you're coming out on this podcast to like talk about it for the first time, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm both acknowledging, both acknowledging and denying that that's what we're doing. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but yes, um, sharing your your mistakes, like getting out ahead of things on like Twitter uh, can feel like cathartic and um, like you're taking control of a situation. Um, and I like hesitate to agree with you that that was a mistake, but it's definitely maybe not the like 
healthy first instinct. Yeah. I think like in the time frame that I did it, it was a mistake because it's not like I dropped out and continued working on these races and then like stop drinking and doing like doing drugs. Like I just stopped running and I like kind of stopped doing cocaine for um, like a quick minute, but I was still drinking all the time. Mm-hmm. I like was not back in therapy. Like my life was like still a mess. And I just like for a year really after that, it was like a tornado of me constantly fucking up again because of my relationship to alcohol and drugs. But I ended up like going to AA and getting sober for six months and getting on meds and getting diagnosed with bipolar and like all these great things happened like a year and a half later. So I just think like if I had waited instead of like sending out these like drunk blackout tweets, like laughing at myself, it would have been better. (laughs) But also I will say like, I don't give a fuck what anyone in Rhode Island thinks about me when it comes to people in politics. There's like three people who I like value and respect who I'm still close with. Um, And I also recognize that like I was young and like I just didn't, I was like young and I was like, I feel like any young person who was like being encouraged by people to like continue running would do it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone in my position would have acted differently. So I don't feel like I was like a horrible person, but I definitely, I mean, it was a huge fuck up. Like there's no doubt about it. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like you were like, you had a shovel in hand and you were like, desperately digging for your own rock bottom (laughs) you're like where can I find this rock bottom so that I can start going back up again um and it just happened to involve like a very public um pretty important (laughs) uh, event yeah politically um I've never wanted to be a politician for the reason that I like feel so like I can barely take care of myself that that much responsibility scares the shit out of me. So whenever I've been like in a state of like, I desperately need help. I like cannot relate to the, (laughs) to to the um, instinct to be like, I know what I'll do. (laughs) Put on a bunch of more responsibilities on my plate. Um, And so in many ways I do kind of admire and respect it. (laughs) Even if it was objectively not the right thing to do in that situation. Um, great. Is that the, is that your story? Yeah, that's, that's, um, the story of my historic run is the first trans person in the state of Rhode Island, um, and how it was a fuck up. The first trans person to run. For office. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sort of sounded like you were like, this is my run to be the first oh. trans person. Oh, no, yeah. Rhode I was the first trans person to run <laughs> for, um, any seat in Rhode Island. Um, Yes. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's dope to, like, make history while you're in the middle of your own, like, yeah. like A24 coming-of-age movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also say it brought me to comedy. So if I hadn't run for state rep with a coke problem, with all of those fuck-ups, I would have never started doing comedy. Because um, it, like, I just pivoted into realizing that you're like, I, I do want attention, but yeah. just not this kind. Just not this kind. I want attention with, like, very little responsibility attached to it. <laughs> Meanwhile, comedians are, like, being treated as the group of people with the most responsibility culturally right now, which is, I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to let any comedians off the hook, but I do think it's funny how much responsibility we're putting on comedians' shoulders to be, like, our culture's, like, deciders. And if they, like, fuck up in some way, we're like, 
they've let us down. It's like, okay, first of all, maybe don't have the court jester as your, <laughs> as your North star morally. Um, speaking of mistakes that brought us to comedy, and that's also my mistake today. I think both of us chose a mistake that is also the, our go-to thing to make fun of ourselves for on Twitter. So love that for us. <laughs> um, this is the story of me dropping out of high school. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love this story. Um, and <laughs> gather around, children. <laughs> it's a Christmas tale. Um so I've told this story through many different lenses because much like your story, there's a lot of different like angles you can point the camera and it, it's kind of a completely different story, you know, like um, we contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard me talk about dropping out of high school on, for example, I talked about it on Eli Olsberg's podcast or if you, I don't know, I've talked about it in a few different mediums and often if I tell this story, on someone else's podcast, I'm talking about it through the lens that the podcast is like about, you know? Um, so like you probably haven't heard the whole story if you've heard me tell it um before. So basically, I uh dropped out of high school at the ripe young age of 14, which is very young. In fact, many people are still in eighth grade when they're 14. But I just happened to, um, let me set the scene. So basically, I grew up uh, in and out of like different types of schooling. I was homeschooled for the first, um, basically until second grade. So like preschool through second grade, I was homeschooled because my brother is eight years older than me. And he was homeschooled. And my parents were like, fuck it. Let's homeschool both of them. And then in like second grade, I was like, I want to go to school. I want a locker like Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) And they were like, okay, that's not what school is in second grade, but sure. Um, and I hated public school because I have impeccable taste (laughs) and public school sucks. Um, I mean all school, I I don't mean to say that (laughs) private school is inherently better, but like our public school system sucks. I think the idea of public school rules, but we just haven't mastered it yet. But anyway, so I from uh, third grade through fifth grade, I went to this like little hippie private school on scholarship because, um, it you know, school wasn't a good fit for me. And um, in retrospect, just a lot of undiagnosed ADHD is probably why I hated public school so much. <laughs> but I thrived in this. I thrived in this um, little private school where we called our teachers by the first names and we had recess like three times a day. It was very progressive. <laughs> and so when I was going to leave, because I decided to leave at the end of fifth grade, they were like, hey, you shouldn't do sixth grade. You should just go straight to seventh grade because you're like way too smart. Um And I think a lot of people from our generation can relate to being an adult now who was like over encouraged as a child and set up for like extreme disappointment in not being as spectacular as everyone told us we were at one point. Um, That like, you know, millennial and Gen Z like gifted kid phenomenon. Um, I was definitely part of that where I was like, I'm skipping a grade. I'm so freaking smart. Um, and when I skipped a grade that same summer between this like tiny private school and me entering 
tiny private school at fifth grade, me entering an enormous public school at seventh grade. That's the summer my parents got divorced. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, uh, it was awful, obviously. Um, and I didn't really have like a landing place for, um, like, like both my parents were like having trouble finding like a steady place to live right after the divorce. So the beginning of seventh grade was me just like, absolutely faking my way through everything because I was like the new person at school also the youngest person in the entire school because I just skipped a grade and um I wasn't as ready for the subject matter as my previous teachers kind of set me up to believe I was so I started to fall behind a little bit in like math um the other, the other subjects I caught up pretty quickly, but I, that's when I really started struggling with math and that haunted me through high school. Um, and yeah, just like general chaos and like, um, that's where I started to develop some really unhealthy coping mechanisms and habits. I like started smoking weed when I was like 11. Early <laughs> not, boomer. Not something I talk about publicly a whole lot, um, because, uh, you know, you don't, I guess like constant disclaimer to like my parents, obviously some shit that they did, um, didn't like, wasn't amazing, but it wasn't like their fault. They didn't do anything that, um, made me more likely to start smoking at 11. I was just obsessed with like growing up at that point. Um, and yeah, I started drinking at like 12, And this is all in seventh and eighth grade. I was like, I was 11 in seventh grade, just to like give you an idea of just like, I just wasn't ready. Like people were getting like fingered in seventh grade, you know, (laughs) I was just like, just trying to keep up and um, succeeding at it in the moment. But like ultimately setting up these dominoes for down the road for like my whole life to collapse. Mm -hmm. Um, This is also a time where I, when I was 12, like, had a weird relationship with a 17 year old like and I and I obviously was a child so I don't want to put too much responsibility on myself but I was an active participant in trying to normalize the fact that I was 12 dating a 17 year old and like you know getting everyone who wanted to like help me get out of that situation to like leave me alone because I can make my own decisions and just like being that bitch you know that bitchy 12 year old. <laughs> this is also your like A24. Um, and we were talking off off air earlier about uh, like how you didn't watch Skins as a, as a um, teenager. Oh, yeah, no. And I like watched Skins a lot. And I think that Skins did inform Skins, the, the um, iconic uh, United Kingdom, like Degrassi, basically, <laughs> but way more drugs and trauma. Um I think that Skins was both (laughs) like a reflection of the life I was actually living while also kind of encouraging me to like fall deeper down the the hole that I was falling down. But while all this was going on, I was still like maintaining pretty good grades um, and like having a pretty like healthy social life. And like I was living a double life kind of like you. And I was really lying to my parents about like how much um, things were spinning out of control um I was my mom like I could tell my mom knew it was like very like um did you ever watch 13 um I actually have not watched that ever if you can believe wow but I like okay, I know gonna, the, I know the premise and I know what it's about we're gonna need a movie night soon we but are. 13 is very much like what happened in my life except I didn't have like a friend that was like pulling me 
like that movie's kind of about like a friend kind of like being the like anchor that's sucking down the main character into okay. like the depths of self-destruction. So who's is it Nikki Reed is the friend? Yes. Okay. And Evan Rachel Wood, Wood is the the main character. And like Holly Hunter is Evan Rachel Wood's mom being like, something's going on and you're not telling me. And she's okay. like, and I very much had that exact dynamic with my mom where I was like, mind your business. But I wasn't as much of a bitch about it as Evan Rachel Wood was yeah. in that movie. You didn't get like your tongue pierced. <laughs> um, no, but I did get a tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, oh, wow. I, no, like I was doing, I I was doing that movie and Skins very much um, my actual adolescent experience, um, and I was proud of that too. I would like watch these movies about like troubled teenagers, and I'd be like, ugh, like I guess I'm just living in thirteen, you know? Like I just was like, and I had very like my friends were both good friends and bad friends, you know? Like they were really like. I had a best friend who was just, like, really good at um, being, like, emotionally there for me, but also, like, deeply enabled a lot of my, like, worst behavior. Um, So going into ninth grade, this is two years later, after having had way too many experiences for any Mm -hmm. 13-year-old. Yeah, I was 13 going into ninth grade. I was like, it would be psycho if I was 12. I was definitely 13 going into high school. Um... And in high school, I very much felt like that kind of new leaf feeling that you were describing where Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the thing, like going into high school is what's going to make me get my life together. And I'm not going to like, you know, date toxic 17 year olds. (laughs) Um, Although I fully still did that. (laughs) Um, And uh, but I was still very attached to being like damaged. I was attached to being like, I don't know. I felt, you know, deep or whatever. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of like a bunch of shit happened and I don't even want to get into all of it, but like basically ninth you grade, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I could, but I don't want this to be like a 40 hour episode, but, um, like I, um, I was sexually assaulted on the weekend right before ninth grade started, which, um, yes, listener, if you are familiar with any, if if you're familiar with books and movies about troubled teenagers, that is the exact plot of the book Speak. (laughs) Um, It is funny, like, looking back on these, like, movies and books about, like, the fucked up teenager being like, yep, that's exactly what happened to me. Yep, that's my exact story. And just like in the book Speak, um, which I read that summer. I read that book and then the, the same thing happened to me. Um, I don't think I went out looking for it to happen to me, but I definitely didn't heed its warning. Yeah. Um, but it's very much like that book. The person who sexually assaulted me was a guy whose attention I was really like uh, seeking and who I like whatever. I mean, I just, I was conflicted about the assault because I both knew he assaulted me and still liked him. Mm -hmm. And still when, when high school started that next week, still like wanted his attention while being like actively traumatized by him, (laughs) which is kind of what happens in that book. Um, But I'm also like you obsessed with just taking control of my own situation, not asking for help, not letting anyone know anything's wrong. Um, So, and also kind of like reclaiming um, my own narrative by like telling people stuff, like my version of things before there's a rumor about it. And so 
people found out that we had hooked up. They didn't know that it was non-consensual. So I leaned into the like, I'm a slut mm-hmm. thing because I was like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm a big whore. And that's why that happened. Cause I just didn't want to be like victimized in the situation. Anyway. So ninth grade, um, I also make a whole new group of friends. They're like way better kids, quote unquote, um, because they're all from like the town over who like, we don't go to the same middle school, but we do go to the same high school. Mm -hmm. And that town is like richer. So they all had like better childhoods than the rest of us. And they all had like, um, I don't know, parents that knew how to help them apply for college and shit that like our, (laughs) our other side of the tracks did not have. So I like became friends with like the good kids Come to find out, they're all also doing drugs and having sex and uh, getting drunk every weekend um, and somehow pulling off like they were fully living this double life that I tried to keep up with. I took all honors classes because they were taking all honors classes. And then I did drugs with them during the weekend and things just were spiraling, spiraling out of control. Um, fast forward to 10th grade. Um, I start in retrospect maybe my bipolar disorder is starting to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, I start uh, having sex in 10th grade um, consensually and I'm just doing it with whoever pretty much. Um, I made a lot of really weird decisions that in retrospect, I don't know why I made them. Like I went to, there's a college nearby my town and I'm 15 at this point. And I like, or maybe, no, I'm still 14 because I hadn't dropped out yet. I like go over to this college party and like hook up with a college freshman telling him that I'm also a college freshman there. And like, in retrospect, this guy could have like gone to jail for this. I hear you. I did shit like that <laughs> all the time as a teenager. Um, I like had sex with this guy that I went to high school with that I didn't like in any way was not attracted to him in any way um I like literally only had sex with him because my best friend was in the other room having sex with his friend and I kind of felt like well this is what we should do now um meanwhile still trying to like maintain honors grades in honors classes (laughs) and like uh I'm not sleeping because I had this horrible sleep disorder that I still have but it was way worse when I was a teenager and so I would stay up for 48 hours at a time and then like sleep like 24 hours straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically had a Coke problem without doing any Coke. <laughs> um, and uh, believe it or not, it wasn't sustainable. Wait, really? <laughs> uh, That's crazy. And I felt very out of control of my life. Kind of also, in retrospect, had a shovel in my hand digging for my own rock bottom. Um, I like just kept making decisions I knew were bad decisions in the hopes that that was the thing that would like kind of be the catalyst into a new life for me or like a new identity. I like wanted to be somebody I wasn't pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my head I was like, I don't know, like for example, like hooking up with those guys, I wanted to be the girl who was like, yeah, I don't give a fuck when really it was like kind of emotionally devastating. (laughs) Some of these situations. Do you think like any part of you wanted to be caught? (sighs) Yeah. I think so. I think I kind of wanted, um, I remember I, like I had a school, I had a teacher in middle school who I was really close with, who I'd go visit from the high school. Something like I would like go after school and come say hi to him. Mm -hmm. I remember one time just kind of like casually telling him 
about what my life was like. Like the only adult that I ever was just kind of like, yeah, I've been doing this. And he was like, Anya, you're like really concerning me. Um, like, I don't like, like, this doesn't sound right. And I remember kind of feeling both exhilarated and terrified by like an adult being like, you need to not do this anymore. And I'm concerned for you. Um, I wasn't completely honest with him. I think if I really told him everything that was going on, he would have like called my parents and like, been like, you gotta get a handle on this. But instead it was like, um, he was like, uh, I'm worried about you. And then it kind of ended there and he didn't like, kind of like two truths and a lie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I both wanted my parents to like grab me by the shoulders and tell me to get my life together. And also wanted them to like fuck off and like mind their business. And I was like 14. So obviously at the time I didn't really like, I didn't know. Um, I wasn't at working towards a productive um, outcome. I was just kind of deeply living in the moment and uh, just letting the consequences kind of spin out of control. So anyway, that ultimately culminated in uh, I was like missing a lot of school because of my sleep problems and because I was not doing homework. And I was like, well, I can't go to school if I didn't do my homework or, you know, I was just kind of like, more and more often getting my mom to call in sick for me um, until one day I was doing my chemistry homework and I, I finished it. I like finished this like very challenging chemistry homework and knew that I was never going to turn it in because I was never going back to school. Mm. I just like knew I'm not going back. Um, and I just like kind of told my mom, I was like, I can't go back. I can't like, I'm just not going and I'm very lucky that I have parents that, um, like, trust. It's not like she trusted that I knew that this was the right decision in the long run for me. But she trusted that I knew what my own limits were, I guess. And so she knew that, like, um, she couldn't just let me ride off into the sunset with this decision to not go back to high school at 14. Mm -hmm. But um, with her, that was me basically asking for help. You know, that was me basically being like, I can't do like, I can't live this lie anymore. Um, And so, yeah, I, I left. Luckily I was able to figure out a way to get a diploma and I have an associate's degree now. And it is what made me like start doing comedy Um, but like for a good year ish after leaving school, um, I felt like I ruined my life because everyone tells you if you drop out of high school, it'll ruin your life. Um, and to this day, I sometimes like wonder how my life would have turned out if there was, if like I got a grip on things sooner and had like a more traditional exit Mm -hmm. from high school, um, And so, yeah, I think it was a mistake because I don't recommend any 14 year old do all the shit that I did and end up not going back to school. (laughs) Like, you know, stay in school, kids, is my like moral of the story. But I also am like kind of like your situation. I'm like grateful for everything that happened and for where I where I've ended up now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, sometimes I'm like, would I like have I mean, the answer is kind of all around us because I have plenty of friends who like finished high school and got a bachelor's degree and they're in the exact same place in life as yeah. I am. But, you know, you sometimes wonder if you're like, um, 
whole life would have been better if you made a different decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the whole aspect of mistakes, isn't it? Yeah. Constantly wondering what it could have been if you had done it a different way. Yeah. I get that. Absolutely. But I mean, as someone who graduated from a prep school, (laughs) preparatory private high school, I mean, I dropped out of college, but still we're in the same place in life. So (laughs) there's your answer. (laughs) Well, as somebody who never uh, ran for state rep with a Coke problem, um, we're in the same place in life. So, (laughs) but maybe that's what actually our mistakes are, what like even the playing field. Yeah, maybe. Um, But, you know, show me someone who hasn't made a catastrophic mistake at some point. I'm sure there are actually plenty of people. Maybe. But it's barreling around around the corner baby it's coming for it you. always comes for you yeah everyone makes a catastrophic mistake at some point i'm just glad that i made i mean who knows i'm sure i'll make plenty of more mistakes but i think with the place i am in my life they won't be as catastrophic i'm glad i got them out of my system when i was a teenager and in my very early 20s right um me too because it all led me to moving back to new york right so and I think about that often. If I had made all of my mistakes when I was all of my mistakes when I was living here the first time around a few years ago, that would have been horrible. Right. <laughs> I would have burned all of my predictions <laughs> and we would not be recording this podcast. <laughs> and I think yeah. like, you know, same for you. Like you made a lot of your biggest mistakes when you were young. Yeah. And it shapes you. And like I, you know, I look back on like the decision to um, skip sixth grade and go into seventh grade. And if that was like the moment that like decided that like pathway for me, um, and there's just no way to know that, but it is like, you know, sometimes that was very exciting to me at the time. And like, you know, sometimes the things that, um, are going to teach you the biggest lessons are the things that in the moment feel like an accomplishment or like a good thing. Um, and so that was like a good lesson to learn really early on, Mm. you know, by like seventh middle of seventh grade, I was like, damn, what if I never skipped sixth grade? Yeah. (laughs) And like, I just had to like keep living with the consequences of something that felt like an accomplishment, but I kept feeling punished for it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think is good to get acquainted with earlier, earlier on in life that not every, like, not everything's going to work out how you think it is. And not every like good thing is necessarily going to like stay good or like, you know, come to fruition in a way, you know, don't count your eggs until they've hatched or your chickens until they've hatched or whatever. Um, and like, I, you know, (laughs) I really like was like, wow, I'm going to go to college early. I'm going to like graduate college early. Like that, all these things came to mind when I skipped sixth grade and I ended up literally dropping out of high school at 14. (laughs) It's like quite the opposite of like the thing that I thought was going to happen. And I don't know if that was a direct result of that, but it probably wouldn't have happened if I just did the normal thing. Um, So yeah, anyway, shall we um, wrap up with our biggest takeaways, our lessons learned from these, um, the stories. My biggest takeaway definitely from my mistake um, that I learned was asking for help. Uh-huh. Um, that like would have solved all of my problems mm-hmm. in that scenario. If I had asked my parents for like emotional support, if I had like not ghosted my therapist and just been honest with her, just, uh, and that's, I mean, I said earlier that like, I think I'm not a proud person, but actually looking back, I'm like, I'm very proud. Cause that's why I wouldn't <laughs> ask anyone for help. Cause I didn't want, I felt like I was 
going to be proving everyone right about me. Wow, we really made a breakthrough for today. <laughs> we did. I love breakthroughs. <laughs> um, so yeah, asking for help and also um, like not biting off more than I can chew. Yeah. Um, and just being realistic with myself. Um, I am like the queen bee of escapism mm. and I... I've had to learn. I still like love escapism, but I say it's like in healthy doses now. Um, so those would be the three asking for help, getting better at not being such an escapist, um, and not biting off more than I can chew. Yeah. I would say like the pretty big takeaway for both of our stories is, um, if you're not enjoying what you're eating for dinner, don't like heap on like a different <laughs> meal on top of it, hoping yeah. that like it'll taste better. <laughs> you got to like put that in the compost, wash your plate clean. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> and then like start from scratch on a new meal, you know, um, we we really uh, piled on, which I think is a tendency when you're in a state of crisis. Um, I, like I said, I can't relate to like just adding more responsibility <laughs> in the way that you did. But I definitely, in retrospect, like I also added more responsibilities to my plate while things were spinning out of control. I was like, honors classes. Yeah. This will fix it. I guess I just wasn't doing it in a way that, um, yeah, like I wasn't signing up for being responsible for other people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, I just think it was, the, it, it was like a fully a product of the environment I was in. Right. Because I was like hanging out with like the bad 20 something year olds who were like all servers and like, normal people Mm. but like like if I lived in New York that would have never happened because everyone here is like a server or a bartender or something and like doing like living their you know trying to live their dream in a city like Providence when you graduate from college like you're kind of looked down upon if you're like a server or a bartender etc at least in the crowd that I was in Mm -hmm. and so the people that I was like trying to be like were my friends like Kat Kerwin who like had a college degree and like we're running for city council. Right. So I was like, if I just act like them, then everything will be better. I'm, I'm a loser, which I was not. I was just living a normal life as a 22 year old. At the end of the day, you just have to be yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Well, those are our jumping off point mistakes. Can't wait to share with the world our many other mistakes we've made. There's so many. Um, And the mistakes of our listeners and the mistakes of uh, the world at large. Absolutely. Um, If you have a mistake that you want to share with us, we're going to read listener mistakes um, on the pod. Uh, Email bestmistakespod at gmail.com. Um, or at us on Twitter, Instagram, DM us, whatever. Um, just at Best Mistakes Pod. Um, and follow those accounts. Please follow them. Follow us. Follow us, definitely. Both um, of us are just, our usernames are just our names. Just our names. Terry Gross is my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you miss my name, it is Dax Shepard. <laughs> I'm Terry Gross. <laughs> this is our podcast. Fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Amazing. End of episode one. End of episode one. Woo!